And welcome back to Talking League, your weekly NRL fantasy podcast. You join us for another one of our 2024 season previews. And this one, we're going to be covering the Gold Coast Titans. My name's Jason. I'll be your host. I'm joined by Rich. And Rich, I can tell by the look on your face there, you're absolutely beaming with delight to be talking about the Titans right now. I've always had a soft spot for the Titans, especially when the Warriors beat up on them each year. So I always look forward to a Titans game. And I think I've even already booked in for Warriors v Titans this year. So looking forward to the Titans and they've got a few interesting players and definitely fantasy relevant players so they are good to look at. Yeah they certainly are and I think they're one of those teams that all the neutrals kind of enjoy because there's nothing in terms of rivalry that we've got with any other clubs outside of Queensland and most of their plays seem like good eggs but in this episode for the Titans we'll be covering the studs, duds, cashies and breakout slash bounce backs uh, for the team on the glitter strip. Of course, before we start, be sure to join in the fun on social media. We can be found at Talking League Pod on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you head to Twitter or X, depending on what you want to call it, you can go find us at Talking League One. And of course, all the information and content is available at talkingleaguepod.com. All right, Rich, let's have a little look at the Titans, of course. New coach, Des Hesler. Uh, last five finishes have all been pretty ordinary 14th last year, 13th the year before, 8th in 2021, 9th in 2020. 16th of 2019. So from what we've seen from in the past few years, holding on to leads has been a bit of an issue. Do you think Desi can uh, tighten that up from this year? All the words coming out from the camp are that the crew love the strict environment and uh, the discipline that comes with Des. Uh, they say that now, but uh, yeah, if they don't get off to a strong start and they start losing, uh, I imagine someone as punishing as Des could actually start to wear on you. But when the thing when things are going well, I'm sure uh, it's a good thing to have that uh, high discipline coach. Yeah, no doubt indeed. In terms of the squad movements for the Titans this year, they've gained Keenan Palacia from the Broncos, Harley Smith Seal, the massive signing from the Raiders. Both Mill, he's back from an ACL, so we could see him on the pitch this year. In terms of the losses, Cruz leaning, he's headed back to the UK. He'll be playing for Wigan. Tremaine Spry has been released, and hopefully his recovery continues after that uh, cow punch attack he suffered. Then Joe Vuna at this stage is currently unsigned. In terms of their buys, round two is a standalone buy. Round 13, major buy. Round 17, minor buy. So with the Rabbitohs, they're the first team to finish their buys in round 17. Match locations, they actually play 15 in Queensland, plus one in Coffs, which is only about three hours down the road. And they leave Queensland just three times before round 15, which seems to be a theme with some of these Queensland teams, Rich. And do you think that could be conducive to a good start for the Titans? Yeah, I think they actually will get off to a, a good start. Their draw's pretty soft and, yeah, they're going to need that momentum. They've also got the impetus of a new coach and trying to please the new coach and get positions. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a strong start from the Titans. Yeah, because as you said before, they've got a really decent roster with some you know, elite players that we'll, we'll talk about some of them in a moment. But even some of these young guys that we're going to talk about at a later episode, they're, they're really exciting and, as we saw a few times at Seabus last year, there was some games where it was 38-36, 40-30. So if they continue those sort of tennis-style matches, I'm sure we will be very entertained this year. Yeah, and they've got 
the fact that they haven't had a lot of signings says that they're happy with the talent group that they've got and they're happy with perhaps the juniors that they've they've got as well. So uh, it does look promising for the Titans this year, I believe. It certainly does. And they managed to keep Fafida and Farsul Malawi, uh, who we're going to talk about in a moment here, who potentially could have left after Holbrook was uh, let go. So they've done well there. But speaking of our studs... How good is this bloke? We'll rip into them now. We're going to start with David Fafita. He's 843k. Of course, he's just a pure edge. B of 61. Now, Rich, we were a bit worried about that pectoral injury that he had, but it seems like the surgery's gone all right. Yeah, all reports have come out saying that he'll be fit and firing for round one. However, he is definitely one of the studs and one of those players that at some point in the season you're going to want in your team because... When he goes on one of those rampages or he gets that fire in his eye, he can score big amounts of points in in runs. Literally in runs, he can make four tackle breaks, line break, try. Uh, so, yeah, he's a real point eater. So last year, he averaged 63.5. That's if we take out that junk game where he played against South after backing up after Origin, and he only played 33 minutes. So we'll take that out, and it gives him an average of 63.5. So technically, there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of bonus marking there, but that's really a bounce back because in 2021 he averaged 63.9. Last year he only averaged. 0.4 when it came to tries. And so there's a bit of scope there to lift, especially if we think that the Titans are going to uh, uh, pick up a little bit with that softer draw and with the new coach. So although I might not want to take him in week one because maybe there's a little bit of confidence first game back after that peck injury and just you want to get eyes on him and then having that buy in week two. But I sort of put players from the Titans in that category of if you get an injury or a suspension of one of your guns, you definitely want to start looking at the Titans in round three. Yeah, definitely. And another issue I think we have, as we mentioned before, Bo Fermor, he comes back. He loves playing on the left edge, as does David Fafita. So it's almost like they have two specialist left edges there. Do you think it'll be the case of Fafita going over to the right, which was the initial plan last year, and playing next to his keeper prior teammate and uh, Tanner Boyd on the right? Uh, yeah. I probably haven't... Yeah, I can't comment because it, that was their plan last year, but that was under Holbrook. I wouldn't be surprised if they will get a run on each side during the trials and then Des might make the call post-trials or say, yeah, I'm happy with this combination. Let's go that way. Or maybe one guy just can't hold the ball on his on his right side and so that decision gets made that way. So it's definitely a trial trial situation. Yeah, definitely. And another thing we saw with Hafid last year that was really impressive was his ball playing. We've always known he's had those really good skills, but last year there were several times where he saw the defensive line come up and he just flicked it out to Khan Pereira or Sammy, depending on what side of the field he was on. He dived over for a try, so if he can continue to do that, yeah, he'll be an absolute uh, steal at some point this season, and who knows, maybe he'll have a similar origin aspect where he drops 100k or 50k very quickly and we can get him uh, towards the end. But speaking of origin plays at the Titans, the player I want to bring under the microscope is none other than Tino Fa'asua Malawi. 793k to start the season break, even 58. Now, 
We're not going after him for round one, guys. As Rich just said, buy in round two. We don't want to be doing that. As we saw last year, as our old mate Paddy did, uh, he didn't start so well. He started quite slowly. And it's actually a trend that we've seen the last couple of years with Tino as he's become an elite fantasy and super coach option. So last season, played nine games in the first 10 rounds. Of course, had the buy in round five. He averaged 50.4 and 62.4 minutes. So pretty good minutes and not too bad scoring. But he lost 100K at his lowest price. And then in the back half of the season, in the remaining 10 games he played, 64.3 in 61 minutes. That's a massive change with these minutes not moving too much. And his try scoring was pretty consistent in both of those samples as well. We look at 2022, average 46.6, 61 minutes in those first 10 rounds, two tries in that uh, sample size. And the rest of the season, so 12 games, he averaged 57.4 in 58 minutes. So it's a really interesting one, Rich, because... What you kind of have to do with Tino if you want to bank on this happening a third time is get to, say, round seven or eight. He puts out his first 60 after a couple of 40s and 30s and buy him maybe 75K, 100K under value, but five weeks before Origin. Do you think many coaches would be game to do that and hope lightning strikes thrice? Yeah, it's a brave call. The, the skier of Origin probably scares most good coaches off, I think, just because... You don't know what happens during Origin. They pick up an injury, just like uh, Fafita last year. They come back and they play half a game, and that would uh, negate any gains that you've made. So, yeah, I can see Tino getting a wide berth for a long time. Um, yeah, whereas Fafita definitely has that explosiveness and the higher uh, ceiling. So for me, Fafita's going to stay in my mind, and if the opportunity comes, he will enter the team, say Haas gets injured in Las Vegas or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing about Tino is is this will be the third year in the row in round 14, or that first round after the uh, first Origin game, that the Titans play the Rabbitohs at Seabus. So I don't know what they've, they've done there. They've just decided that's a game that needs to be played after Origin. And the last two seasons, Tino scored at least one try. So I'm not a gambling person myself. But if you are a gambling person, wait till round 14. If you see him on the bench, his uh, try score odds should shoot straight up, stick some money on him. He'll get under the post in uh, garbage time for sure. So one to look out for, though. But in terms of, before we just duck off on Tino, is he a player down the stretch that you think is going to be good enough? He was basically 12th best average last year. Yeah, it's, yeah, if those last six weeks he's fit and healthy and you've made your money from all your cows and you're trying to start up your team then definitely i'd be looking at tino for that run in and i think they'll be around that eighth uh, or fighting maybe tenth ninth around that sort of position and so uh, he's captain and he really is a leader so i could see him trying to really carry the team homes and that those last six weeks could be a real good opportunity to get him in yeah, although we saw in the last six weeks, the season just gone, uh, he ended up with a couple of weeks on the sideline. So he's a high risk of that. He doesn't mind a high elbow going into a uh, short ball carrier, as old cardboard shoulders <laughs> found out last year. So just something to be aware of if you decide to take that risk. But I will certainly be eyeing him off if he sort of has that similar pattern to those first few seasons. And if he gets one good score, I'll take the punt because, hey, look, worst case, if it backfires, we can always take back out. As long as you only eye him off, that's a good idea. Indeed it is, uh, and be able to pronounce his surname without completely butchering it, which uh, unfortunately some commentators still struggle with, despite Tino being in the league for 
was it four years now? Won a premiership, been good at Origin, played for Australia, and people still can't seem to get it right. But uh, we will move forward uh, into our duds. No, 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 no. Now, Rich, it's a dual position player. But he's going to be in the out-of-position play, it seems. AJ Brimson, 545k, break-even of 40, winger fullback half, jewel. Yeah, playing centre's not going to really do it, is it? No. Uh, even if they could give him a third tag and make him a triple threat, that would be interesting. Uh, <laughs> we might then just have a sniff. But at 545, um, it's been pretty much confirmed. He's going to be playing centre, although potentially he might be named to start at fullback with Campbell still um, racing the clock uh, to get back after that knee injury. So, but even if he is named, there's probably not enough value. He played one game at centre last year. It was in that final game against the Bulldogs. It was just no defence and he scored 49. But just remember that that was really a junk game. He's also coming off a few injuries last year and that job security as just a flat-out centre, he could morph into a bench player who covers multiple roles. So he's perfect-looking trap for me um, and not someone that I think, even with that duel, that we should be going near he doesn't. Do you think? I don't even think he has any value, does he? With a break even of forty, not really. No. And there's a few centres that are in that range. And as we saw last year, there was plenty of centres that sort of averaged in that high thirties, low forties. And something I was covering in the draft series, which will be out and published by the time this comes out, that the depth in the centre position is actually pretty decent uh, from a draft perspective in terms of there have been lots of plays that can average 35 plus, 40 plus, 45. There's only Gagai average about 50, although Zach Lomax was 50 when he played right centre. So I think there's enough depth at the centre position to not need to go to him. And the issue at wing of fullback is, you know, we're going to be hoping to get the Pongers and the Drinkwaters and the Tesco's down the down the start. But he's playing centre. I struggle to see how he can improve on that when a lot of his good scores at Boosie's average have been from scoring quite a few tries at fullback. Yeah. Um, like, there's no doubting the guy's talent. Uh, and I think he's probably frustrated as well, just not being given the position and, and kept that position. Uh, he's sort of a victim of his own versatility in, in a sense, you know, like if he could only play one position, then he'd be in a fight and that would be that. But yeah, it's a bit of a shame, um, no value. I would just be avoiding AJ Brimson, even though he's got that nice looking jewel. Yeah, unfortunately, he'll be on the avoid pile this year. If he keeps a sound, gets a sound jewel next year, maybe you can be a 2025 goer. But a player who won't be a goer again this year, Keenan Palacia. 393k break even of 29. So I look at his sample size for games where he's played basically between 30 and 50 minutes, which is probably what we're going to expect. And then also had a look at his 40 to 60, which is the sample I've got here. So 35.4 average in 51.2 minutes. So it's like a 0.7 PPM, which isn't too bad. But my concern is, is that a lot of those players that will be in a similar price bracket, your Liam Knights, Fletcher Bakers, I mean, Tevita Toll is technically 100k more. I see them going at a much higher, more consistent PPM, like a 0.8, a 0.9, or even a 1, 1 PPM. 
And with Palace, he may not get massive minutes, you know, as we've noted before. Jamin Jolf barely played last year, so he ended up having uh, some of the most interesting benches I've ever seen, where there'd be a fullback, Chris Randall and Aaron Clark on the bench, uh, probably the smallest combined weight of four bench players in uh, NRL history. And, you know, if Jolf comes in, those minutes are going to get sewn up. Uh, Palace came back early from training, which is really good. But at this stage, Rich, we've seen quite enough of him to know what he is, and he's probably not going to move the needle too much. He might make maybe six points of value, Max. I think you're being generous saying six points. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, yeah. Anytime players change teams, I think we can build a narrative in our own head, and we could totally flip it and say, no, you know, he's come from a strong, you know, Broncos uh, system and he's come to the weaker Titans, and he's going to be playing an extra 15 minutes, which equates to... But the reality is, is that his skill set isn't set for fantasy. <laughs> and that's all I'm interested in. You know, like, he, he's probably a good buy when it comes to rugby league for the Titans organisation. But for my fantasy team, I cannot see any value. He, had, he wouldn't have developed an offload or tackle busts in the off-season just because he's playing at the Titans. In a sense, it could be harder because he's going to actually have to play against the Broncos and not play against the Titans twice. Yeah, that's right. And the Titans' middle's pretty good. Like, you've got two origin players there that might be the starting props in Tenofaso, Malawi, and Mo Fodawaka. Joel will be in the mix there. Isaac Mule, which I imagine he'll be in the mix. Decent player. So it's not like they're absolutely dying out or crying out like the Bulldogs are for a pack leader. They've already got two really, really good ones in there. So, And with a round two buy as well. Not really the sort of play you want to experiment on. Look, if he comes out and looks a little bit better, you know, gets like a base stat 45 and 55, then, yeah, maybe you can have a look at that. But uh, I think with that one, Rich, you'd rather get it wrong at round one, leaving him out, than get it wrong by bringing him in and then sort of umming and ahhing about whether you sell him before that round two buy. Yeah, yeah, save yourself the headache and just give him the big wide berth, I'd say. Sound advice indeed. So some of these plays uh, that we're going to talk about now, you may not give as wide a berth to, and that's our cashies. Now, it's pretty dry rich in terms of the cash cow potential at the Titans because their team is relatively settled, as we mentioned before. Not too much roster movement, so not too many berths opening up, and as well, Bo Fermor comes in, which closes some opportunity. But play that'll be worth keeping an eye on, uh, is Tony Francis, who was previously in the Manly system. So he's 230k break, even of 70. He's a winger fullback. Now, the thing about Tony Francis, I've seen a little bit of him play a bit of Q Cup, and the Burley Bears, they were very, very good. Uh, the season just gone, finished top of the ladder. Uh, they lost the grand final, and Tony Francis somehow managed to score a hat-trick, which uh, goes to show he's a great finisher. Uh, but the issue he has is the two wingers that play for the Titans, and we expect to start a Lofiana Camperera, which... I don't know, Rich, did you see the photos today? He's put on 10 kilos and he's looking big. Yeah, I just it's an extra 10 kilos he's got to carry up and down that touchline. So <laughs> uh, I'd like to see the numbers. I actually did see the numbers, weirdly enough, of their speed training, and he was not in the top three, but I was struggling to remember. Who. There was quite a surprising one up the top, I remember. Let me see if I can find that while you tell me all about this great uh, Tony Francis that could potentially get a run. Yeah, so 
with with Francis last year, he was the top scorer in Queensland Cup with 21 tries. Of course, we need to keep in mind there's plays that go between the NRL and the Q Cup. But try game, these were his stats. So we average about three and a half tackle bus a game, a line break a game, 150 meter, run metres a game. And that was actually the second best in the Q Cup uh, by average. Jordan Pereira, I'm not too sure if you heard of that play before. He was the best and you know he's been one of the really good players in the NRL getting yardage from the wing. So he did average 35.8 from the wing, which look, it's not too shabby. But I think with these two finishes he has in front of you and Sammy and Cam Pereira, it's going to be hard for him to get a start. But we know injuries happen, you know, form changes. Desi isn't afraid to uh, to mix it up. and. Now, with a player like this, Rich, you know, he's big, strong, fast, got the tackle bust, uh, potential to offload and finish well, there may be a, a moment sometime this year where he comes into relevance if, say, there was one or two injuries. Yeah, it might need to be two or three injuries, unfortunately, because you've also got that great uh, Warriors winger slash Tigers winger, uh, Ken Mamalo. So, uh, is, yeah, he, he potentially is probably batting fourth or fifth on the depth charts at the Titans. So he is going to need a lot of luck. Uh, but if he gets on the on the starting sheet, well, then obviously we're all going to be looking at him. But hopefully it's in the first half of the season when we're still looking to make money. Potentially, or who knows, we might need to cash out uh, come the back end of the season and slot in a Titans play because, of course, they're done from round 17 with buys. So... Yeah, just wanted to keep an eye out with Tony Francis, and it's going to be interesting with the Titans this year. They've moved their feeder clubs around because there's been a bit of movement between the Dolphins, the Broncos, and Titans in terms of the feeder clubs, and of course, uh, sort of completely relevant to the Titans. South Sydney are now uh, got the Blackhawks as a feeder club in Townsville. So the Q Cup team in Townsville, Rich, is now the feeder club for an NRL team in Sydney. So the guys that are on the Cowboys roster have to go play in Mackay if they uh, want to play some Q Cup. How yeah. good is rugby league, eh? Yeah, it's a bit uh, farcical, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what is it farcical is potentially uh, some some breakthroughs at our fullback position here for the Titans. Of course, Brimson's going to be playing right centre from all the media reports. So that leaves us with Jaden Campbell, 459k, break even of 33. And Keanu Kinney. Uh, 279k break even of 20. So we'll mention these two as a pair because it's been mentioned in news reports. They're fighting out for it. We'll start with Jane Campbell because we know, Rich, that when he does play uh, fullback uh, for most of the match, he's quite good, averaging 44.3 across his career. So there's year 10 points of value there. We know he's an explosive player that can you know, score lots of points in a very short period of time. But this is something we were discussing before we went on air. We're very, very concerned about the fact he's not yet back in training. So as I mentioned around the traps last week, I went, actually went back and had a look at that injury that he suffered. It was a non-contact injury. He was trying to step the chin uh, and, yeah, went down uh, in pain before Cleary even uh, lay a glove on him. So the fact that he's not back, and you know, for the benefit of the listeners, we're recording this on the 25th of January. Are you a bit concerned that we're, what, five, six weeks away from the season and he's not yet back from a non-contact knee injury? Yeah, I think you can pretty much put a line through him that if he's in your starting team now, just yeah, look on the bright side. It's a free trade, so you just trade him out now and <laughs> look for your next option uh, because I can't see him turning up in round one. And, yeah, those knee injuries, you got to make sure they're right. He's a little fella, so... Uh, 
it wouldn't take much to re-injure or to have a big guy fall on him and, yeah, to be out for longer term. So I think they'll be take the cautious approach. They've got other options. Um, I'm sure you're going to bring them up in a minute. Uh, but at this stage, Campbell is going to have to be in a void until he's back in the team and then we probably get one free round and then we'll probably try and break our team to get him in there. Well, not break our team, but just find some cash to have him in after his first week back. It seems like a nice prudent strategy because you know, we've spoken about it multiple times on this pod. They've got to buy in round two. So similar to Turbo last year, they could decide to rest him so he gets that extra sort of fortnight of recovery because they won't have to play in round two. So from what you're saying now, I think... We might be on the same approach here where we're probably going to look to take him out, even if he is named round one. And then if he looks quite good, looks proppy, uh, maybe we can grab him round three or four. Yeah, I think that's right. But it probably sets up our next one, uh, which is probably could be a cashy, could be a trap. Uh, he's close, isn't he? And I just told you that I'd tell you who the fastest player at the Titans was. And it is, in fact, uh, Keanu Kinney. So who will probably get named, I feel, at fullback in round one. How do you think that plays out then, Jace? It makes it really interesting because the thing is, Jaden Campbell doesn't have a mortgage on that spot because he didn't have it when Brimson was there. Brimson's moved to the right because it just seems to be team balance, and I feel like they probably would have lost one to Kinney or Campbell if he didn't move because I don't think you can have three fullbacks of that potential in your squad if you're the Titans. And Keanu Kenny killed it last year in Q Cup. Again, he was playing for the Burley Bears, who were you know absolutely tearing up in the Q Cup, but averaged 50.6 in his 14 fullback starts. Some of those games didn't play the, the full 80, but yeah, you know, basically a tri-assist and a line-breaker game. He's absolutely rapid, like you said there, and a really exciting prospect. And the thing is here, Rich, is that if Kenny comes out and fires round one, does he keep the spot for round three? Because surely at that point you go, well, maybe we can be a bit more uh, diligent and uh, cautious with Campbell's rehab. And if you didn't pick him up, say, in the first two weeks, he, he might be a cash cow that gets away. Yeah. <laughs> and that is why they are called traps, because it could be Campbell's all good and Campbell's had the conversation with Dez and Dez says, nah, you're my man. You've got the the job for the season when you're fit. And so he comes back and then Kenny's sitting in your emergencies and how long do you hold him going, well, I'm waiting for that next, next price bump. And Campbell then goes on to play for another 14 weeks and you have lost that cash generation. So I personally wouldn't be taking the risk. Um, he only played two games of NRL last year. One was in that Bulldogs uh, tri-fest and he scored 44. However, in the other game against your mob, the Rabbits, so against a quality lineup, he only managed to score 16. So for me, I, I'm going to put him in the trap category and I'll be avoiding him. Yeah. Yeah. Like Palisade, he's probably one that you're happy to get wrong on if you don't pick him, then going the other way. Because another thing that we need to think about is Ryan Pappenhausen, assuming he's all good to go and, We've got our limbs crossed that that's the case. Storm have a buy in round four. So you're going to need a wing of fullback or a fourth one, whether that's through dual position with your centres or having one sitting on your bench to come in that week. And the worst thing would be is if you take Kenny and he's one of your four wing of fullbacks and you're going, okay, as the buy round two and then I can aim three and four, uh, I will do that. Is if he doesn't come back 
and then you get to round four, Pappenhausen hits the bye, and then you're having to make a trade for a winger fullback, and at that point it may not uh, may not be exactly what we're after. So, yeah, just be cautious with that fullback situation. It does appear like it's going to go from being fantasy gold uh, to uh, fantasy golden trap. But uh, another player who might fall into that category is Aaron Clark. He has retained his dual position, a hook mid, 443k, break even of 32 in an interview recently, he did point out he wants to play 13, and that'll be interesting to see how that shapes up. Because as we know, Rich, uh, Desi doesn't mind a ball playing uh, 13. He had Jake, who's obviously a bit bigger than Aaron in terms of stature. And then he also had Dylan Walker off the bench. So do you think there's any world where we get to round one and Aaron Clark's the starting 13? I want to be six foot six and a millionaire, but just because I want it doesn't mean it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron Clark can wish for whatever he likes, but at the end of the day, Des will make that call. And there are other options, and I just feel that he is probably a little bit undersized and will become more that bench utility. And, uh, yeah, I don't see a lot of value in him. But, you know, opinions... Uh, just that. I may be completely off base and Des loves that ball playing smaller style 13 and he gets the gig and uh, he rips in and goes great. But again, I just, I don't know whether I'm getting more conservative the longer I go and don't want to take mad punts, but I would say that's a punt that I'm not prepared to take. Yeah, I don't think I am either. It's potentially one for the draft board, of course, because hooker position uh, isn't looking that flash. But That'll wrap us up for the preview of the 2024 Titans. Rich, appreciate you joining me. Uh, what other teams are you covering in the preseason? I've just got the Wars left, so I know everyone's waiting for the Wars, and uh, me and Shooter will be doing that one, so it will be lively, and uh, yeah, I think that we'll record that next next week. Uh, the Wars, looking forward to that. I will have the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I'll be doing that with Pat, uh, so that'll come out probably after this, but... Uh, if you have been enjoying the preseason content, be sure to leave us a review on Spotify or our podcast. My understanding is it doesn't matter what you write. It's more about uh, the star rating. So if you do love us, uh, a five-star rating would go a very, very long way. But thank you for joining us, and we'll talk soon, team.